You're listening to the Modern Web Podcast. For more podcasts, videos, and events, find us online at modern-web.org or follow us on Twitter at modern.web. That's M-O-D-E-R-N-D-O-T-W-E-B. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this episode of the Modern Web Podcast. I am so excited because Stacy is joining us today. So you have Stacy and Tracy. My name is Tracy. <laughs> You can follow me on Twitter at Lady Leet. And Stacy, where can we find you? And just tell us a little bit more about yourself. Hi, uh, my name is Stacy Devino. I'm a principal engineer at Stitch Fix. Uh, recently joined, uh, formerly for from Nike uh, Innovation Studio uh, that works on the sneakers app. And you can find me on Twitter at Does It Pew. I love it. I love it. I love it. So I'm excited to talk to you about today because, you know, um, you're like one of the few principal engineers that are women that I know. And it's like so admirable and amazing. So kudos (laughs) to that. Love that. Um, But, you know, uh, I've always wondered, right, like, what does it take to be a principal engineer? How did you get to where you are? And like, yeah, just tell us a little bit about that story. Well, What I would really say is being a principal engineer is a little bit like being a fortune teller, right? You have to, it's more about just than just being an individual contributor, right? You always have to be spending a good portion of your time looking towards the future and what are like kind of the, and also being a garbage collector to a certain degree, right? Like take on the jobs that nobody wants to do. So, you know, fixing tests or aligning test strategies, writing documentation, uh, working on relationships. I think Mm -hmm. one of the biggest things that I probably could have done better earlier in my career and what really sets apart people who do this job well is really communication skills and Mm -hmm. being a friendly face and working cross-functionally. And when I say cross-functionally, I don't just say like, okay, so I work in mobile, Android specifically, right? Mm -hmm. Um, That doesn't just mean cross-functionally, I talk to the iOS team, right? Mm -hmm. Or I only talk to the design team. Like, no, cross-functionally means I'm talking to sides of the business, figuring out what kind of strategies are going to align with our goals? What are things that we maybe need to do for the future? Uh, it's not just a case of writing code is going to get you there because uh, whoever's told you that is a liar. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and as far as like kind of my path, I've actually been in some way or shape or form in mobile since I was in middle school. <laughs> and that's, a little bit nuts to think about, but uh, so basically I started with a Palm One. My dad worked for US Robotics at the time uh, in sixth grade. He brought that home and I thought it was the coolest thing ever. Uh, so I scraped together all my money, sold my like Game Boy and all this other stuff so that I could get one with his company discount. I think I gave him a hundred dollars and I think it it definitely cost more than a hundred dollars even with the company oh, discount. Cute. You sold all your stuff. It costs a hundred dollars. Nice. Right. (laughs) Well, good on him, I guess. But uh, (laughs) basically I started playing games um, and there was a particular kind of like shareware game that I really loved. And Mm -hmm. I found some defects in it and that got me stuck, like completely stuck, could not go forward. 
so I basically tracked down early, I guess this is somewhat earlier internet, right? So like late nineties, yeah. Hey, I'm, I'm old. Um, <laughs> is, uh, like I reached out to them and I was like, Hey, these are some defects I found. Like, do you have a way around it or X, Y, Z? And they were just like, well, do you want to fix them? And I was, you know, at the time, a uh, very adult, uh, 12 or 13 year old. I can't remember, but of course I was like, Oh, I am, I am definitely at least high school age. Right. And yeah. so, uh, I did. And I, kind of that's how I learned like micro C uh, I had never seen C code before and like started working on mostly like translation issues and things like that like really simple strings and whatnot but um and then it kind of moved into hacking iPods and I worked on the like Rockbox port uh, for the iPod mini first generation back in high school. And uh, yeah, no. So then like iPod Linux, uh, the iPod wizard community, I don't know like how old you are, if that ever like reached you or not, but um, like I learned hex editing. <laughs> so mm -hmm. I had the coolest iPods in high school um, and I would hack them for people and put like special games on them and, different oh icons. My gosh. Did you charge for it? You're like 20 bucks. Oh yeah. Like, oh yeah. Totally. Like, like, <laughs> you liked, you're like, I'll hack your iPod for you. Yes. Yes. I totally oh, was like, so like friends got it for free, but like, you know, if you're not a friend, it was like 20 bucks or something. Oh, um, but I did get free updates. Of like, <laughs> it reminds me of like the CD burning, right? It's like, it's like, oh, you have such a great CD. Where'd you get it? Oh, this guy burned it for me. Or like, you know, you have to know like the guy who burned CDs and you're like, hi. More <laughs> of that except for the dudes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know. Girls That's are like, hey, hey, girl, don't don't be trying that on me. But uh <laughs> yeah, so what's kind of interesting is uh in college. So like, I'm still like hacking stuff, whatever. Um, mm -hmm. The iPod touch came out and like, my luck is ridiculous. Uh, this is an actual like running joke with my friends. Um, I won like an iPod touch first generation prior to the iPhone being available. Mm -hmm. And uh, like right when it came out. And so a bunch of the iPod wizard folks like had moved over to doing some of that. So I, I like started working on some of the stuff that I guess later became part of like the, what was known as the iPhone dev team stuff. But mm -hmm. like, uh, I was just mostly working on like how to fix it if you soft brick it, right? Yeah. Um, and cause you know, <laughs> I'm in college, I'm not, I'm not a super genius, but I can figure out basic stuff. And then like the app repository stuff got going and that turned into Sigwin, not Sigwin, um, shoot, what's the name of it? But basically the app store prior to the app store um, yeah. and got C and D from a certain company that shall not be named. That was a really fun thing to explain to my parents um, uh -huh. and then ended up with an first generation Android phone. Uh, Cause basically like one hat, they people think that, Oh, if you can hack this, you can hack this. And started uh with cyanogen uh mm -hmm. stuff and kind of working around that and 
been an Android ever since, basically. Um, That's so. Really cool. And now you're here and now you're at Stitch Fix. So, you know, being a principal engineer, kind of like going back to this whole, like, so when, when you said, you know, hey, you got to work cross-functionally, you got to like get to know what's going on, you got to do the jobs that, you know, nobody else does and everything like that. Um, you know, it really resonated with me, but I, I'm just thinking like, I remember my first job where, you know, I was just some sort of, you know, some random associate, you know, <laughs> fresh out of college. And I was like, I want to take over the world. And this 5,000 person company is going to help me do it. You know, <laughs> so, like, so, like, I would, I would like, I basically met like all the lead architects, the principal architects of this huge company. And I was like, so can you teach me about networking? You know, and I was like learning all the layers of what they all meant. But like, I was, I was positioned as like, what the hell, what the heck is this girl doing? Like, did you ever get that? Like when you're kind of working cross-functionally or like understanding business needs or anything like that, when you were trying to punch up, did anybody look at you and be like, go away. Like, why are you doing this? Uh, I actually had an issue where a coworker uh, undermined me to the point that she was scrubbing my name off reports and putting her own. Oh um, and it happened multiple times. And after like the third time that I found it or second or third time, I went to my boss and I was like, hey, this isn't cool. Like, uh, and he's like, I'll have a talk to her. And then, um, and then it happened again. And I, I went to my boss and he just said, well, she isn't going anywhere. <laughs> and yeah, I mean, I, I, I wish I could tell you that like these kinds of things didn't happen continually mm -hmm. because they absolutely did. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, like, how do you maintain a positive outlook? And sometimes... Sometimes you don't always realize that like your success, other people take that as like a, almost a direct attack, right? Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. And uh, I would actually say the best way to get a lot of recognition, especially and learn a lot uh, early in your career is to do test, right? Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do automated test. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to do uh, figuring out like how all the systems work and how to set that up. And that is stuff that re receives much higher recognition because basically everything needs tests and nobody wants to do it because there's no glory in it. Right. But, like, somebody be super pissed off. It's like, okay, it worked on my machine yesterday, but then Stacy came and wrote all these dang tests. And even though they make sense, it's not allowing me to commit crappy code anymore. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, but that's how you can literally say, literally, like, okay, well, if this is an issue, well, let's figure out why. Let's work together, and I'll, I'll teach you some of this testing stuff, right? Mm -hmm. And it's like, okay, even if you made a mistake on a test, right, mm -hmm. you can literally say, like, oh, I was looking at your code. I didn't quite know how this worked. This is how I ran the test on it. Like, mm -hmm. can you help me understand how this is put together? And mm -hmm. uh, that pivots directly into that first comment you had, right? Like, can you teach me, right? Yeah. You've instantly created an avenue where you're already learning, right? You've already yeah. created a situation that, um, and then they can literally go into, and I'm saying literally a lot, I apologize. <laughs> <laughs> but the person that you're working with can go after this point and say, hey, I worked with, you know, Stacy, 
And you know what? Now this code, it's all it's all got unit tests to it. Yeah. It's all everything, right? Like they've literally put themselves in a situation where they have somewhat undisputed clean code, yes. right? Mm -hmm. So if you really pivot it into a situation where it's going to be advantageous for them, you mm -hmm. can, and, and to a certain degree, like when you're starting out, everybody's going to take credit for all your stuff. Like that's mm -hmm. how it works. Um, and uh, a lot of people don't realize that especially your first job is not necessarily just about making your boss look good, but also about making your coworkers look good. Yeah. Um, and it's like, to make other people look good, the better, because then they'll all be on your side and they'll all rally for you. And for allies listening out there, you know, it's really important to say people's names. You see somebody doing good work, like acknowledge it, acknowledge it again, acknowledge it again so that they can actually get the credit for it. Yeah. And also, okay, maybe personally you two don't jive or you don't jive with somebody like never turn it into a situation where uh, it can be politicized. Yeah, that's another like little thing. Um, you know, always remember a certain degree of be authentic, but remember you're in a professional setting. Yeah. Uh, never forget that. If you always act professional, you kind of always have a little bit of a higher ground, right? To a certain right. degree. Um, and yeah, that's that's some really early stuff. And also realize your first job is it's going to suck and it is not your last job. Like, yeah. Yeah. It's your it's your throwaway job, hopefully. Yeah. It's your throwaway are, job. Yeah. <laughs> I think people are always really concerned about that. So like when I hear you talking about like adding tests and this and that, I think about like, you know, most people have, you know, sprint planning and, you know, don't work on what's not on the board, right? So like, if that's the case, right? Like the stuff that you're talking about, is that stuff you do on your free time to get ahead? Or is that like, like, how do you manage that? And how do you actually get time to do that? You put it on the board and you put it as, especially as somebody who is new, you put it on the board, you get the sign off and you tell them, hey, this is how I'm going to learn the system. This is how mm -hmm. I'm I'm learning all of these things. And you're going to get a product out of it, right? Mm -hmm. Versus especially the case where, let's be real, like your first six months in your first job professionally mm -hmm. are garbage. They're not, <laughs> like it's barely usable, right? Mm -hmm. you're, you're a borderline intern. So if you consider that, if you spend that time around tests, you're going to learn the infrastructure. You're actually going to learn a lot more about systems and mm -hmm. uh, cross-functional systems in the actual, not just code base, but like how does the API structured? How is all this stuff put together, right? Mm -hmm. That coworkers will be able to use to lean on, right? Mm -hmm. So- yeah, a sustainable environment for all developers. Mm-hmm. Right. And you can find defects. Um, mm -hmm. So like, hey, uh, I noticed that we're doing this weird thing convoluted and making it a business logic thing in our app or in our web front end or whatever, uh, that actually there's an API for that. And here's the variables. And you literally like pass an easy win to someone um, mm -hmm. or you take it for yourself. But um, those are those are some other things. So like, turning yourself into an asset mm -hmm. for your team is like the easiest, 
easiest thing to do with your first six months. And also understand that like a certain amount of it is just putting in the time. The first job, it's going to suck. There's <laughs> like, you're just learning how to work in an office environment. The first six months are honestly just that. And then the first few years are just refining that. Yeah. Um, and I'm so glad I started early because I felt like I was really good at like, not office politics, but like, how do you talk to your manager? How do you manage up, you know? And, and uh, I don't know, like, would you encourage, I know you have a baby. So like, are you going to encourage uh, him to start working at like 16? Cause I feel like I learned a lot of this stuff, just being a professional, just by having like jobs when I was in high school. I think so too. Uh, and actually my husband and I, and this is maybe something some people will, will follow or not. Uh, We've actually had the discussion that, like, depending on what he wants to go into, mm -hmm. it's like top fifty, top one, like top fifty university in what he wants to do, or like just go straight at it. Or if he wants to be a coder, because goodness gracious, that's pretty much like everybody in my family does some sort mm -hmm. of engineering or computers. It's like it's a little bit strange. It's that or education. Mm -hmm. um, so like we have one side is engineers and uh, pretty much just engineers. And then the other side is uh, teachers and professors uh, and yeah. like one lawyer. Um, so there's definitely like room for that, depending on what they want to do, what he wants to do. Um, but yes, I also really just encourage, even if you can't work regular hours, like I was in a lot of stuff, I couldn't work regular hours, mm -hmm. but I did do a lot of odd jobs, mm -hmm. odd tech jobs. Uh, I did icons and logos for companies. And mm -hmm. at the time I was charging a couple hundred bucks, which is really cheap <laughs> at the mm -hmm. time for any kind of like uh, vectorized iconography and things like that. Um, especially for small businesses, especially if you see one that has like a really just generic sign and mm -hmm. they're looking for something a little more interesting. Um, that's actually like, get your hustle on, like get your yeah. hustle on early. You would not believe how many little Fiverr, uh, jobs there are. If you want to take them for even just setting up a WordPress site for people. Uh, yeah. And that's something that absolutely a 16 year old can do. And yeah, yeah like uh, money. I like can't wait to stick my child on Fiverr and be like, you get 20%. Oh, come on. Don't don't act like you're not going to be spending a significant amount of time helping out. But um, yeah, just how to work in all that stuff. It's really there are every time I hear somebody complain that there's, there's no opportunities to get your first like job in tech or to get the experience or to even have projects, um, yeah. get, on Fiverr. They get, get on Fiverr, get on a bunch of these like small, um, small job sites mm -hmm. and build out projects for people, make some money and yeah. have a portfolio. Uh, this can be really, really huge for people who are looking to transition into web development because a lot of folks need like one small React component or something like that. And you can point them to a live site as part yeah. of your project portfolio. Huge, absolutely huge. 
That's like, I remember the first website I built, it was like, I was either like 300 or $500, you know, that I charged to build a website for a restaurant. And, you know, I did the same thing for another restaurant that was like maybe $500 or something. And it's so bad because when you look at Wayback Machine and you like look at all the shadows <laughs> I put, you know, to try to make it more visual, oh, it's terrible. But, you know, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about like, you know, your job right now, because I know, you know, you've been a principal engineer and for quite some time. And, uh, you know, what are some of the considerations you look at when you rewrite code or building something from scratch? Because I'm sure everybody would love to hear about that. Well, I can tell you that my career is basically rewriting or building from scratch. Mm -hmm. uh, that's kind of the... <laughs> What's I keep looking for my forever. Yeah, what? like what's the justification though? Like why do people want that? Well, a lot of times what ends up happening is I, a uh, certain degree is somewhat on me, right? Mm -hmm. So they might have aspirations and then they're hiring somebody to do something. Uh, I think actually like a job I had a number of years ago, they sold, they sold something that didn't exist <laughs> and had never been done before. And I totally got hired as the fall guy um, as a term, right? Like, <laughs> um, and I ended up making it work, <laughs> which uh, I really pushed. I pushed myself to limits that I would never, ever, ever do again. Uh, 90 to 120 hour weeks for months on end. Um, I was literally just going home sleeping and then going back to work, even on the weekends. Um, yeah, you can do that when you're young. Like I remember this job I had, I was like, wow, I'm, I'm hitting hundred hour weeks, you know, would I do it now? Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> but it was really good from a bunch of different learning experiences. Um, and also to a certain degree, I kind of push, right? So if I see something that is just not a good user experience. That just happens to be something I am particularly gifted at uh, is user experience stuff, uh, UI stuff. I actually in college did uh, a lot of work around human computer interaction and created my own uh, specialty, which then became a specialty other people could do. Uh, hey, <laughs> you can take the classes you want. You can find a way to make it work uh, is what I would yeah. also say. Um, if you're in university or otherwise. And uh, yeah, so I that's kind of the story where uh, I guess my first like real Android paid job was doing uh, security fixes and uh, test stuff and code for um, cell phone manufacturers. So uh, I worked on a variety of different operating systems, though primarily Android, um, Android security stuff. Actually, I found out they're still using some of those tools I wrote, uh, <laughs> which is pretty crazy. That's that basically well your job after Stitch Fix. It's like, uh, I wrote this code like many years ago. Let me come back in and uh, rewrite it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it's been like almost a decade for that, but um, I, I can't believe it still exists in some way, shape or form, but, uh, then kind of after that I worked 
worked uh, another operating system job for three years, uh, DOD stuff primarily, though that was like a mixture of OS and apps, and then uh, creating a lot of things that had never done been done before. And uh, apparently that's also still being used. <laughs> um, and then when it came to the next thing was Home Depot, that was a rewrite. Um, Alchemy, which is... Uh, but is it like, are they rewriting just, so are you rewriting to improve the user experience? Are you rewriting for like performance enhancements or like modernization of tech stack? All of the above, all of the okay. above, right? And performance is a big one because performance informs what you can do from a user experience side, right? Um, how do you, and to a certain degree, especially what you can do performance wise in terms of like animations, or do you have like a million API calls and you have to have good bones in order to build a good house. Right. Uh -huh. So uh, that same logic still applies. A lot of rewriting is not the fun, pretty stuff. Uh, mm -hmm. It's, it's muck and mire data structures, um, how do you plan your data flow? How do you plan all that kind of stuff? So is it true that as you become a more senior engineer, you have to like muck through more stuff? So like, you know, because like you, you become more higher and higher level. And the reason I ask this is because I feel like a lot of people who are like junior or mid, you know, they're like, oh, I'm on this project, but I have these concerns or like, oh, it's not the funnest. And like, oh, I want to work on cool things. But like, is it true that in your career, like the higher up you go, like the less cool things you get to work on or is it the opposite or is this just completely whatever? <laughs> so I would say it's kind of the, the worst part is when you're in that kind of middle area between um, kind of like a, a high level senior and a like principal or a lead because a principal or a lead gets to make a lot of the architectural decisions and really look at a lot of the fun stuff to figure out if that's a viable solution or uh, kind of that like fun planning part. But then you are going to be, to make that transition, it's kind of like they wanna make sure that you can, you can take out the garbage um, because those are things that are just part of the job. Right. Yeah. So, so you really have to just like get involved, do the stuff that nobody else wants to do. Stop worrying about like, oh, I only want to do the cool things like to become well, that level. Right. So the cool stuff can be done by individual contributors. Right. As long as they are given kind of the right tools to do it. Um, mm -hmm. But a job of like a principal engineer is to find what are the right tools and set that up for that uh, more individual contributor role. Uh, and I will tell you this, you will always get better app ratings, better um, like consumer, like report type things and all that mm -hmm. for deliver delivering on what the user expects versus mm -hmm. providing surprise and delight moments. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. if you build a rock solid application that doesn't crash uh, very often at all, and you know everything that they use that application for 
It mm -hmm. operates quickly, swiftly. It might have a little bit of uh, kind of just delight in animations or things like that. The user is going to give you a five-star review. As soon mm -hmm. as you put in surprise and delight moments that cause crashes, that uh, you're not addressing issues like they can't check orders on their profile, right? That's when you get low reviews, low customer ratings, all of those kinds of things. So if you think about uh, building the frame of your house and building the walls, you don't wanna build the walls out of blood, you wanna build them out of brick. So uh, once you have those kind of like base components, work, work forward from there. And yes, it's not going to be fun. Uh, some people I actually really, really admire absolutely love doing uh, middle to low layer code. That is bread and butter that uh, gets them up in the morning. And uh, I try to take a little bit more balanced approach, I guess, or I, I view it as if I do a really good job at these baser levels, then I get to do really cool, fun stuff on the front, right? Or I get to help somebody do that really cool stuff. And I like that. Cutting yeah. up just the good foundation, like you said. A lot of people, I think, forget about that. But I, I guess that's why you are a principal, because you're like, look, let's get it right. Let's get the architecture right. Let's get the performance down. Let's get the bones right. And that's what a lot of people kind of, you know, I, I, I think especially, you know, at this thought, when we talk to clients, it's like, did we do our architecture right? Are we setting everything up right? Because, you know, they acknowledge that, hey, if you don't do it right in the first few months, you're going to have a lot of issues going forward. So. Mm -hmm. Why do you have 12 different JavaScript frameworks running? Like, honestly, <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, that's really interesting. What about um, culture? You know, like uh, you've been a part of a lot of different engineering teams. Um, do you, you know, are, are there like a few things that pop out to you of like, you know, what does it take to actually create a good culture in an engineering team? Well, I would say there's like your team culture, then there's your organizational culture, and then there's the company culture. And those are three different things. And for me personally, I value most trust and loyalty. Um, and then I, right below that is honesty. And the reason why it's just below that is because sometimes in order to maintain trust and loyalty, you have to not be as honest as you want to be. Um, mm -hmm. and that's, that is another thing that's just the reality, right? Um, mm -hmm. but there is a big difference between like somebody who hides things or is not upfront with motivations or, uh, is vying for something and, and not being upfront about it. Um, yeah. so, uh, I will also say this, if you are encountering like really just bad culture or if the organizational culture is poor, you as an individual are not going to be able to, unless you're in an elevated position, affect that. And mm -hmm. if it is something that is just, it's driving you nuts and people are just not, not cool, not okay. Or if you mm -hmm. have an exceptionally bad boss, I've had that situation as well, um, where he was literally taking my work and trying to credit it to other people on the team for various mm -hmm. reasons, mm -hmm. um, entire projects like that were very visible that it was me. <laughs> uh, 
because um, it's like, can't you just look at the commit history? But I guess executives don't do that. But it's just, yeah, it just feels so terrible. Right. And so that was uh, a huge reason, if not the biggest mm -hmm. reason why I left. Like mm -hmm. me and HR got real friendly <laughs> because mm -hmm. uh, I don't know. Uh, there's a certain limit to how much you can take in terms of like blatantly like racist, homophobic, uh, yeah. like comment misogynistic commentary. Uh, I love one of my favorites uh, was, well, I think technology is really great for women uh, in, until you have a kid and then your place is with the family. Like mm -hmm. just shade, shady, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> but uh, in terms of engineering teams, right? Uh -huh. It's about building up that trust and that loyalty. You trust each other to do good work you are loyal, right? If somebody makes a mistake, it is not their mistake. It is our mistake. Mm -hmm, if there mm -hmm. is any kind of defects and call out when people find good defects with your code, with other people's code in the group and, and really build those tight knit relationships. Because mm -hmm. if there's, it, it also kind of tells you when there's something awry. If somebody's mm -hmm. kind of acting a little bit shady, who's not acting within that like trust and loyalty like group, then mm -hmm. you kind of know something is kind of up, either mm -hmm. with uh, with them personally, uh, so that maybe you can talk to them. Uh, maybe they're going through something uh, on a personal level that just is affecting their ability to do work and be trusting and loyal, right? Um, or it could be that they're really trying to like move up and out or like they're searching, like I always think that it's really important for um, people to look also positively when somebody else, when somebody moves on, right? Mm -hmm. Because moving on um, and that means like going to another company or moving to a different group. That means that they learned and they kind of got the experience that they wanted out of it. Right. Mm -hmm. um, and once you've kind of achieved that, if you don't necessarily see that, like what you want to do next is what's available to you or going to be available to you, there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a sign, unless you have exceptionally high turnover. Right. Uh, that's actually a positive. It shows that you've been doing things correctly uh, mm -hmm. because nobody should be staying in the same position or spot for forever. Right. So um, that's what I would say there. Now, when it comes to like a larger company culture, that's where you can kind of sell things in a line, right? Mm -hmm. So you want to do something or you want to participate in something or develop a program or uh, even have your code do something. Uh, to specifically outline a uh, company value, that is something that looks good on your boss and it's very easy to sell. Mm -hmm. And if you're looking for a project, always try and see, okay, what are some things that we're not doing that we could be doing that would align with our company values? And and how do I play that in? So that's, that's also just another way to kind of move up <laughs> and and get the right recognition. Uh, while also creating opportunity for coworkers, include yeah. them in that. Don't just be a solo act. Nobody listens to a solo act. There's a band yeah. for a reason. I love that. 
Well, this was so awesome. I mean, I think, uh, you know, definitely for those of you who are listening, you know, definitely reach out to Stacy on Twitter. Does it pew? She's amazing. Uh, I always love seeing you at conferences because I always know there's goodies. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I've got I've got new stickers and, and all kinds of uh, fun things yeah. and, and whatnot. <laughs> I'm ready. I'm ready when conference season comes back. I really miss everyone. Although yeah. what's really interesting with you, Tracy, is when somebody calls a name across the room, we uh -huh. both turn around and look. Because oh we're <laughs> Tracy, Tracy, what? Yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> I think that's how we first met, uh, honestly, um, years ago, right? Was somebody, uh, was it at like Google I.O. or something? And somebody, I think they were actually calling your name. And I turned around and was like, oh, hi, I guess we were very similar names. It was either that or it was GDG. I can't remember, but it was probably like GDG during Google I.O. or something like that. But yeah. Well, very cool. And, you know, thank you again, everybody, for listening. We really appreciate it. And, uh, you know, watch out for the next episode of the Modern Web Podcast. podcast is sponsored by this.labs, a framework agnostic consultancy that specializes in JavaScript. You can find them at this.co slash labs. That's T-H-I-S-D-O-T dot C-O slash labs. Let's go, cause we got a show for you.